indeed we are and uh, welcome dear friends to this edition of Fusebox I'm your host Mark Rose and this is number 38 in our ongoing series of educational pamphlets entitled Unneedlessly and we're gonna chat a bit about language today is that a boxy moron? you know chatting about language? Uh, well hmm. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, but uh, as we all know, it's not to be confused with an oxymormon, which has uh, something to do with treating religious skin conditions. Is that, isn't that right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Thanks for uh, clearing that one up. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. That's my sole purpose in life, to be a beacon of clarity through the fog of obfuscation. Yes, gentle listeners, we're... Uh, we're going to chat about the stuff of words for a spell and also speak a bit um, about the newest technical trend in movie theaters. <laughs> and this is not a film or a film series I'm referring to here. It's a, it's a method of delivery of said film, which sounds a lot like the movie chain's last gasp in a quest to fill seats. Yes, and but also this amazing announcement. Now, it's no secret that um, I'm a big fan of composer Frank Zappa. As I know, uh, a couple of other folks on the Unsuck channel here also share my enjoyment of the man's works that span nearly 40 years. As we know, uh, in addition to being prolific with a capital P there, as a writer, um, he was thankfully also a very dedicated archivist of those uh, many compositions and live recordings, interviews, and, you know, assorted other amusing things that would occur around the Zappa compound there. And uh, with the uh, aforementioned archive uh, occupying a space on Frank's property there in Laurel Canyon, which was originally designed as a bomb shelter back when the house was first built, later converted to become the vault, as it is known now. And uh, in this here vault, friends, are all the various materials relating back decades in all manner of technology formats and some formats that don't exist anymore. Some that were, you know, like hybrids at the time. Some, and I've experienced this myself, some 
Tape formulations that over time have had the magnetic oxide coating of the tape virtually peel away from the backing side, rendering it useless if it's not promptly baked in an exacting method. And uh, don't try this at home, although I did. Yes, yes. So here we have all this material sitting there, and uh, throughout the ensuing years since Frank's passing in 93, Vaultmeister, Joe Travers, along with the uh, Zappa Family Trust, have been working more than diligently preserve this archive. But the reality is the time is moving quicker to destroy the materials than it is to restore them. Very challenging and sad predicament, for sure. However, enter... Alex Winter! Hi, I'm Alex Winter. You may know me as an actor-director, but this morning, I'm here to talk to you as a fan about a man named Frank Zappa. It makes you wonder. I'm famous, but most people don't even know what I do. Here's a few things you should know. He was one of the biggest rock stars of the 70s, but he didn't do drugs. He composed symphonies, but he also played a bicycle on national TV. He got banned from SNL, yet he was a regular on CNN. He took on the government, basically invented Rock the Vote, was a face of an actual revolution in Czechoslovakia, and considered running for president. Yeah, we could do a lot worse, right? And 23 years after his death, Zappa is still a total mystery. Seriously, who the fuck was Frank Zappa? Yeah, now, Alex is a really wonderfully nice guy and a huge Zappa fan. He uh, evidently has wanted to uh, see the definitive Frank Zappa documentary realized for decades and, and of recent time has decided it, well, hell, if nobody's going to do it, I'll do it myself. And so he approached the family with that idea. He said, you know, I'd love to make the definitive thing on Frank if we could do it. And uh, they said, why, sure, but you better move fast as the sands of time are surely closing in around the source materials here. Well, one thing led to another, and uh, a Kickstarter campaign was launched a few weeks back to uh, raise money to restore the vault and uh, get this hyper-cool documentary shot as well. They started with a $500,000 goal, shot past that in a few days... <laughs> To be now staring down the barrel at perhaps one million dollars being pledged, which, uh, as Alex puts it, is um, all going to go to the restoration of the archive as uh, they find ways to get additional funds for the uh, documentary elsewhere, which is kind of what he's done in the past anyway. Pretty stinking cool. I'd have to say that. And I'm, uh, I'm delighted to be among the throngs of supporters for this activity as well, and... Uh, by the way, you can, too. Did I see they were uh, giving away the house, too? Uh, uh, well, yeah. Although I don't think they're actually giving it away. It's, um, it's valued at, like, you know, $9 million or something. But, yeah, um, they are letting that go. I, I'm, I, you know, Gail, uh, his, uh, Frank's wife, Gail, uh, passed away just a few months back. And all the kids are in their own surroundings and doing all that. So I guess it makes sense. Um, but, wow. Can you imagine the stories that place could tell? Wow. Yeah, now that would be something. Someone should uh, turn it into a shrine or some such thing, you know? Yeah, it's hard to say what will become of all that, but uh, I'm sure whoever steps up to that plate 
<laughs> will be among the most dedicated of fans. No kidding. So, uh, yeah, check it out at the uh, Kickstarter page. A link in the show notes uh, of this program will list it also, but it is whoisfrankzappa.com. We'll take you to it. And uh, if you can contribute anything, uh, please do. It's a, it is a very worthy cause here. The show for everybody, but not everybody will like it. So, folks, there is a new movie theater phenomenon traveling about the globe. Evidently originated by a South Korean company, although although I can't really, I can't get a confirmation on that. That's what it looks like. They uh, they designed this thing ways back and uh, have now escalated it into about 230 theaters worldwide. And it's just opened in a uh, location in Union Square in Manhattan. So Frank Nora, he of the Overnightscape fame and fearless leader of this channel, might want to experience it for us and report back. But um, it's called 4DX. And it's a combination of like 3D iMax, and a, and actually an old technology that Douglas Trumbull's company, he the guy who did Blade Runner effects and so forth, he was dabbling with this thing decades ago involving motion-enabled seats synced to on-screen visuals called Cineride. He also did some stuff for the Universal Studios theme park and uh, some pretty renowned rides in there. But uh, he's been dabbling around in that area for quite a while. So evidently... <laughs> <laughs> the warning sign outside the theater in New York states, and I'm quoting this now, motion-enabled chairs with strong vibrations, some lightning, rain, and flashing strobe lights, and a dash of fog and strong scents. <laughs> Uh-oh. We're not going to get that like, uh, smell-o-vision thing, are we? I mean, I, I remember that John Waters film, uh, Polyester, with a little uh, scratch and sniff cards they handed out. Thought I was going to toss everybody's lunch. Oh, oh, well, I hope not. I hope not. Well, I, I, uh, but, I also th- <laughs> but I also think this is a wee bit more sophisticated, evidently, um, but perhaps not aromatically correct. Uh, the film in question... Utilizing this grand new theatrical gimmick? Are you ready? Batman versus Superman. <laughs> and as uh, Brian Rafferty of Wired Magazine writes here, uh, he says, If you're wondering what Doomsday's breath smells like, it's pretty much a mix of Bactine and Diet Sprite. <laughs> I don't know about you, but it's got me queuing up right away. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> God. I, for one, could probably sleep just fine, not knowing any of that. So, um, evidently, these theaters are decked out with these, like, oversized 
chairs and footrests that are all interconnected up and down the rows there. And then uh, above the viewer are these um, um, oversized lights and like wall-mounted fans that blow the various wind and, and other aromatic enhancements down towards you. So uh, in addition to uh, the cheap aroma, there is a fair amount of jostling about <laughs> in these chairs and a good deal of lower back punching to boot, huh? Mr. Rafferty goes on to say this. He says, what's especially disorienting about 4DX is that the movement and effects aren't limited to a particular character, object, or perspective. Sometimes the bump you experience is the kick of a bullet leaving its chamber. And sometimes it's the thump of a body hitting the floor. <laughs> oh, man. All in all, um, it appears that the, the, the syncing of these effects to visuals is a little less than exact. And uh, with a film running 150 minutes, <laughs> this could be quite a workout indeed. I, seriously. Oh, and uh, the ticket price for this uh, butt hurt? Yeah, 30 bucks, folks. Hell, think I'd rather ride around in a 33 Willys over a bunch of speed bumps. Get the same after effects. Yeah, yeah, really. I I don't know. I, really serious. This, this seems like another one of those uh, desperate measures to get butts in the seats. You know what I mean? But... I saw what you did there. But what they are not realizing is that if you abuse those posteriors in the seats... Or uh, send them off to their friendly chiropractor for adjustment and ointments. They're less likely to return. Well, at least most of them. So, uh, how do you suppose that would work for porn? Oh, well, the mind boggles at that notion, Milt. Oh, hello, my children. I'm Father McGrady McFadden McGillicuddy, and I was just sitting here writing my sermon for next Sunday's services called Why Atheists, Commies, and Teenagers Are Going to Hell. For our children, we all know what a terrible, terrible place hell is. In fact, it's the worst place imaginable. Why, it's even worse than Utah. And you certainly don't want to go to Utah, do you, children? No, no, of course not. Yes, hell is terrible. Would you like to know the best way to avoid hell, children? Why, Fusebox merchandise, of course. Now, I know your parents have probably told you that listening to the Fusebox show or owning Fusebox merchandise will lead to impure thoughts, blindness, and hairy palms. But I know better, children. I know that all good and decent American Christians own lots and lots of Fusebox merchandise. And you know why, children? Because they don't want to burn in hell for all eternity. That's why. And we don't want to burn in hell for all eternity, do we, children? Why, no, of course not. We all want to go to heaven, right? Nope, no one wants to burn in hell for all eternity or go to Utah. And so we must live good, God-fearing lives. We must do unto others before they do unto us. And we must purchase as much Fusebox merchandise as we can. 
even if we must lie, cheat, and steal to do it in order to avoid going to hell. Oh, Utah, you all want to be good, right-thinking Christians, don't you? Of course you do. All good, clean, God-fearing Americans do. Why, I have it on excellent authority that President Eisenhower himself enjoys Fusebox merchandise. So let us bow our heads and type in thefuseboxstore.com to buy Fusebox merchandise right now. Amen, Father. Amen. Visit thefuseboxshow.com today. That's thefuseboxshow.com. That's right, friends. We don't want to burn in the lake of snakes. So uh, do yourself a favor and head on over to the Fusebox store and you too will become delirious with joy and abandon, all tethers to logic and reason, and pick up a little something for you or yours and help out the starving artists here at Fusebox at the same time. They have uh, no idea how true that actually is. <laughs> yeah, no. no, they surely don't. They surely don't. We kid you not. Or, see? Right there, right there. Kid, as in a young child, or jest, or a young goat, for Bob's sake. <laughs> Let's talk, shall we, about this language thing, just for a little bit, okay? Now look, I, I'm, I'm no Edwin Newman. Uh, <laughs> nice pull. Uh, I bet uh, three people got that one. <laughs> well, sadly, uh, all right, to, to, dig to digress a moment. Um, Edwin Newman was a CBS newscaster and uh, renowned for his uh, impeccable use of the English language. And, uh, well, and to, to, to such an extent, actually, that he was equally renowned for uh, excoriating those colleagues of his that uh, tended to abuse the words with malice aforethought. Yeah, the famous uh, whipping and dismemberment of Chris Matthews on... Uh... Oh, wait. No, no, no. That, that, that was a dream I had. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, that that's how it starts. Y you think it's real, and then it's not... And then the stuff that's not real becomes real, and the stuff that's not that uh, what? So I got to thinking about language the other day, as I was looking at the cover of a book I have upstairs by none other than Ted Geisel, better known as Dr. Seuss. But this book was not really for kids. It uh, it was a treatise on language and its idiosyncrasies called, get this, the tough coughs as he plows the dough. Now, the title alone should tell you all you need to know about this thing. Four words, all spelled eh, kind of similarly, but with completely different pronunciations. So different, in fact, that in most instances, you wouldn't know how to pronounce them without first hearing them. You know, we have no accents in our language either. <laughs> so, we don't know how anything is really accented unless you look it up or, once again, someone informs you of the proper way. Unless they are mistaken and we begin the whole sordid affair all over again. Now, I for one love words, but um, I'm, I'm constantly confounded by the rules. You know, 
I mean, they aren't... It, it seems like sometimes they were made up by a raving lunatic. Or, uh, how about that, uh, classic Star Trek card game <laughs> called, uh, Fizzbin? Remember that one? Yeah. yeah. You know, the rules were so long that you couldn't actually play the game. And, uh, I think the rules morphed depending on how long Captain Kirk wanted to delay some, um, you know, nefarious bad guy with the rules litany. Yeah, I, I look at some of these, um remarkably well-written things out there. You know, pick your fave. And uh, it, it's, it really is. It's like music when crafted well. It truly is. Amazing. And can do all the transporting of your consciousness that uh, any great work of art uh, attempts to do. But, oi, to be learning this mess as a second language? Well, frankly, it'd be tantamount to trying to shrink your own head. Oh, yeah, this could be good. Uh-huh. I just put my, uh, <laughs> Did I ever tell you about the time I was in grade school and the, the lesson that day was on uh, definitions and uh, what a proper definition was and how to construct one. You remember remember that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember those days. They um they would always say, uh, never define the word with the word or we'll hit you or something. Exactly. Well, you know, one day I had to look up raccoon as part of an assignment, you know? So I, I go over to the F- Funkin' Wagnalls Encyclopedia. And I start turning the pages, and I find it near the middle of the page there. So, you know, do that little imaginary line thing with your finger to, you know, trace the text. And then it says, and I quote, raccoon dash raccoon. Nothing else. No, you know, mammal found in northern hemisphere thing. Just a a name. Oh, so that's where the conspiracies got started. It all started with the Funkin' Wagnalls. Well, actually, no. It, it, it started in the lunchroom in third grade. And uh, Miss Oliver's thirty-eight caliber revolver and a pony harness. But uh, Stop right there. There are equestrians listening. So, uh, you know, along the lines of the absurd, I don't think we ever left those lines. Another of my faves is uh, James Thurber, a wonderful... Uh, surrealist at times, actually, humorist. He once had a phrase pop up in, um, you know, I don't even remember what story collection it was now, but the phrase was that something was not unmeaningless. (laughs) Now, at first you're thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it, until you start unpacking it, and then you find yourself in this sort of M.C. Escher-like brain puzzle of trying to find your way out, or... Worse, how'd you get on the thing in the first place? Which kind of is the inspiration for this edition of the show's title. I don't know that they ever used it, but it, it, it made me kind of flash back there to... Uh, so is that uh, orange sunshine kicking in? <laughs> yeah, they're kicking in. Yeah. It, it made me sort of flash back there on a television series that ran in the very late 60s, around 69-70 maybe even called My World and Welcome to It, that starred uh, William Wyndham. It was basically a sitcom that centered on the life of a guy very much like James Thurber, except I think he was a cartoonist in the TV show. 
But, uh, you know, he had the wife and the kid and uh, that sort of thing. But it also had these great animated line drawings that uh, Thurber himself did originally in the books, but were given a new life in these uh, shows. But it brings to mind the terrific one-man show I, uh, I actually had a chance to see with William Wyndham reprising his role, sort of, back in Tampa around the, must have been the late 70s when he was uh, touring the show. Uh, it was just called Thurber, and uh, he was actually playing the guy. It was a truly wonderful experience. Uh, they even had the, like, projected cartoons in the thing. Um, it was great. Uh, great use of language there, too. Insightful and, uh, and poignant. Um, well, I wonder if they can bring that show back to DVD or something. There were 26 episodes, evidently, says here. And it only ran the one year. Yeah, you know, it, uh, it, you're right. It, it, it might, be a, might be a thing for Shout Factory to look at. Probably a limited audience for that again. But, you know, they, uh, they sort of are the de facto authorities on uh, niche entertainment these days. Perhaps so. Who knows? For all I know, really. I mean, it could be out there already, and I just, you know, haven't seen it or whatever. Uh, oh, but one last bit of uh, language-oriented trivia here. Uh, language and film-related, as it uh, turns out in this one. I'm sure many of you are familiar with uh, filmmaker Steven Soderbergh. Uh, he, of most recently side effects, as far as film is concerned, has done a number of television projects of late. But, but a while back, in 1996, he did a project called Schizopolis, <laughs> which had... Several segments in the film that played with uh, language, big time. Um, and in uh, one such segment of the film, the two main characters uh, aren't really speaking dialogue. They're describing what they're saying. For, for instance, Fletcher, played by uh, Steven Soderbergh, comes home and greets his wife after being at work. And uh, he says to her, generic greeting. She then retorts with, Generic greeting returned. Fletcher then remarks, Imminent sustenance. Wife then says, Overly dramatic statement regarding upcoming meal. Fletcher then counters with, Oh, false reaction, indicating hunger and excitement. <laughs> I, I mean... It's a short bit, but it's a hoot and a half to watch this interchange as the actors have to carry the same emotion, of course, but using this ridiculous terminology. And uh, the, the film has really no linear plot, I guess, but um, it's, it is kind of a three-sided story told from uh, each perspective in three different ways, which makes, I think, it's really a great viewing. Um, but, you know, perhaps not everybody's cup of ramen. But uh, wonderful use of language in uh, completely different ways. George, a struggling hairstylist, failed to hit the mark with his chainsaw haircut promotion. Yeah, I'm thinking probably a little on the side. Just, just, just a little. Yeah, right, right on the... What is... Yeah, what? what? Yeah, just a, a little off the top, you know? Yikes. <laughs> so, judging by the clock now dripping off the wall, it's time to call it a show. 
scurry on out of here. A tip of the hat and uh, big hopeful wishes to Alex Winter and his crew for making uh, the Zappa Vault Resurrection and documentary and all the other good stuff they've got planned. A real deal. And uh, please, folks, uh, there are a few days left in their campaign by the time you hear this. So uh, if you'd like to help the cause over there at whoisfrankzappa.com, care of Kickstarter, please trot on over there and do so. Seriously, it's truly a national treasure worthy of preserving uh, for all time. And thanks are in order here to Scott Campbell and Bruce Miles for erudite and loquacious contributions on this one. And also to the knobmeister himself, Milk Keynes over there, twiddling about. Always a pleasure, unless it's not. <laughs> I've been your uh, freeze-dried-to-a-crackly-crunch host, Mark Rose, thanking you for pushing play on this edition of the show. And until our next cartoon. Fuse box.